Welcome to Activate Church Podcast and thanks for listening. We hope this message helps you and we pray that God speaks to you through this week's message. In two weeks, it'll be Christmas Eve. Do you feel ready? No, you don't feel ready. Do you know what? Last week I preached a message, Overcoming Christmas. I said, don't let stress steal the spirit from Christmas. I had to listen to that message about a few times this week, just as I was decided to go shopping and, uh, and, and buy some Christmas gifts. And you know why? Because it's busy. It's getting crazy. It's getting hectic. There's Christmas parties. There's, uh, you know, carols things to go to, breakup parties. We had um, one of our, our, our daughter, Eliana, one of our kids, she had a, a concert uh, this week. And um, man, that was so much fun. And you know, you can't see that you can hardly see them and you can't hear them, but it's awesome because they're your kids, you know? And so we went there and watched it. And I just love doing that stuff as a family. I think it's really good. My son, Isaac, he is, um, he's got such a soft heart. He really does. And so uh, we were sitting there and, and, and watching uh, Eliana perform in this, in this concert. And Isaac kind of, you know, snuggles right up to me as he does, as is customary. And so he snuggles right up to me. And because it's Christmas, you know, we have admittedly, and you can judge me, it's cool. We've been listening to some Mariah Carey in the house, you know. <laughs> and, and so we were listening to it. And you know that song she sings, All I Want for Christmas is You, right? So Isaac, he comes and he snuggles right up to me and he says, Dad? And I said, Yeah. And he said, All I Want for Christmas is You. and an iPhone. (laughs) Before I had a chance to say, that is so sweet, he slips in, I just want you, and an iPhone. And I said, what? You're not getting an iPhone? It's crazy. It's the kids, they want iPhones. We took our kids shopping uh, yesterday, and we don't Look, we don't normally do this. All of the presents that we get for our kids, we do that in secret. It's a surprise on Christmas Day. But we were out yesterday, and they, they kind of figured out what we were going to get them anyway. So um, I don't really mind telling you uh, to, today what we bought them. But we got them. We, we were talking about it with the kids. What did they really want? They wanted watches and that. And so we went to the shops. We were at Eastland. And uh, you can get these Garmin watches for kids. And what happens is, is that they come in cool colors like Star Wars and, you know, all of that stuff. And, and so we got them this, this gift and they are so excited about it. But here's how this thing actually works. Yeah, it counts their steps and it tells the time, but here's the really cool part. I control everything that comes up on the watch. So do you know, I can set the time and the alarm that tells them when they need to get out of bed. Yeah. You know what I can do with this thing? I can program their chores into it. (laughs) Now, here's the best part. They think that's awesome. (laughs) I just bought Sarah and I the best Christmas present, and they think it's for them. (laughs) That's how you do Christmas like a boss, okay? So... They think it's for them, it's our gift, sleep-ins on Saturdays, we're getting done around me, I'm going to load these kids up next year. They have no idea what's coming. So anyway, I'm excited about that. But uh, next year, 2018, our house will be very clean. I'm looking forward to it. Hey, I do want to talk about 2018. Uh, I, I want to talk about what 
where I feel God is leading us and what he's spoken to me about. And we're actually theming 2018 by his spirit. And the reason why I have theming uh, 2018 by his spirit is one, because God spoke to me, but I want you to lean into this point and, and listen to this. Is I really believe that where God is taking us, this year has been an unbelievable year, but where God is taking us, I think is going to be so ridiculous that it will become extremely clear that it wasn't by might and it wasn't by power, but everything that we do next year will be by his spirit. And no one, oh no. See, we can, when it comes to church, no amount of good sermonizing, great harmonies, incredible coffee is a substitute for the spirit of God. And we can do our absolute best, right? But what we need is a move of God's spirit. And when he moves, it's so incredible that I want everyone to know that they couldn't do it on their own. They will say, that must be God because, well, they ain't that good. I want it to be said that God is moving and activate church. So I want to, I want to speak into that message today and, uh, and celebrate everything, of course, that God has done in this year. And I don't know if you have achieved everything that you wanted to achieve this year. You probably had your goals. You were filling in your, your diary at least till February with all your goals and your planners and everything you wanted to do. And I'm going to start this and I'm going to lose weight and... You know, you had five kilos to get to your goal weight, and in 10 kilos, you might actually get there, because some of us throughout the year, we just forgot that we had those goals, and we kind of went backwards, you know? And, and it's easy to happen, but there, I can tell you this right now, is that there are plenty of people who have done incredible things this year. We themed this year crossing over, and we, for those that have joined our church during this year, we're so glad that you joined us at this part of your journey. But at the beginning of the year, when we themed it crossing over, we had everyone fill in a card, and that card was where they felt God was leading them to cross over into what the, the promises that God had for them. So all year, we've had those cards that everyone filled in in the month of February, and we've been praying over them. And I wanted to read out stories and testimonies, but the truth is a lot of these things that people have been overcoming this year are really personal things. And I can tell you right now that I know that there have been marriages that have been restored. There are addictions that have been healed. There are people that have been lonely that don't feel like that anymore because they got a community of people around them. In fact, God has been on the move this year. And I celebrate everything that God has done in the lives of his people. And if you're among a group of people sitting in this room today where you say, well, I didn't get there. I want to tell you today, don't quit and don't stop now. Don't quit and don't stop now. There are all kinds of reasons why people quit on the things they believe God has told them to do. And sometimes to be, can I be honest with you? It's because when you wrote it down, it was a good idea, but then you discovered it was hard work. And, and, and so sometimes we just realize that the thing that we felt God say to us, yeah, we know he said it, but it was hard work. Sometimes 
there is just a really comfortable alternative that we turn to and just focus our attention on other things. Sometimes, to be honest, we're just indecisive. We feel like God is calling us in one direction, but then we're unsure of ourselves. You might face self-doubt. You might have faced spiritual warfare. I promise you this. The devil's not going to make it easy for you. He is not in your corner saying, man, I hope you really cross over into the promises of God this year, you know? Like the devil is not on your side. And I've discovered that when you face spiritual warfare, oftentimes it's happening very naturally and you don't see it and you don't recognize it, but it becomes a reality for people. And I want to talk to you today about a group of people who were so discouraged at the opposition that they had that they were so close to quitting. And I want to give a little bit of a background to this story, and it's about God's people, the people of Israel. This story takes place in the Old Testament. And so God's people, Israel, they had actually made some really bad decisions as a nation. And so I always say this, is that you are free to make any choice you want, but you're not free from the consequences of the choices that you've made. So you know, Can we understand this together this morning? God will forgive you, but you still need to face the music sometimes because sometimes your bad actions set in motion a series of events that have very practical and real outcomes, right? And so this is where Israel found themselves and they were taken into captivity. And the part that we're going to join them in, their part of the story is they have just been released from captivity. And let me tell you something, they are pumped. They are excited about it. They've been released and the first Jewish exiles, they go back to where they came from and their first plan is to rebuild the temple. That's what they're hoping to do, to rebuild the temple. And you know when at the start of anything, there's a lot of vision, like Here's where we're going, and you know, this is what we're going to do. And everyone gets excited, and there's momentum, and that's what happened. They were excited, and they, in two years, they had laid the foundations to rebuild the temple that it had seen its glory days. You know, King Solomon built this incredible temple, and so it got destroyed, and they're excited about rebuilding it. So in two years, they lay the foundation, and then... They hit opposition. I told you the devil won't make it easy for you. Every time you try to chase down the promise that God gave you or the word that he spoke to you, you will face some kind of opposition. And I feel like for most of you, you already know that. But here's what I find interesting is where the opposition sometimes comes from so that we learn how to recognize it. And so the Israelites, as they're building and they're getting to the end of that two-year process, some people came to help them. I'm going to call them frenemies. Frenemies. Do you know what a frenemy is? It's a person that looks like a friend, but they're actually your enemy. A frenemy. And you don't always know who the frenemies are. And so these people, the Samaritans, these frenemies, they came and they said, let us help you rebuild the temple. But because the Samaritans didn't worship the same God and they worshiped a lot of pagan gods, Israel said, no, let us do this. We're going to rebuild the temple. We don't want your help. Well, 
They were offended. They were offended because they said they offered their help. They said, we will help you rebuild the temple. And it was the door was just shut in their face. And now they're upset and they're frustrated and they're angry. And as a result, they bring opposition against the Jewish people to not be able to build their temple. Can I tell you right now, you got to be careful who you build with. You got to be careful who you built with. Sometimes people will see the promise on your life and they see that it's attached to you and they try to get in on what God is doing in your life. But really when they get in, they might want to control it. They might want to steer it. They might want to change it. They might want to transform it. And you've got to be the kind of person that lives out of the conviction of your heart and says, no, I'm not selling out for anything less than what God told me to. Now, Please understand this. There are people that need to speak into your life to give you wisdom and understanding. Yep, we understand that. That's why you got to be able to tell the difference between who your friend is and who your enemy is. You got to be careful who you build with. And so here come the Samaritans and, and they start opposing this temple. And what ended up happening is that they had to go to court over this. And the Samaritans bribed the counselors that represented the Jewish people. And they bribed them so that they would intentionally misrepresent their case. And as a direct result, they misrepresented them so bad that the king decided that he was going to pull all his funding and all of his support. And the temple that began with a great foundation, the temple that began with so much momentum, stalled for 17 years. And Israel were incredibly discouraged. Please don't underestimate the power of discouragement in your life. It doesn't matter how spiritual you are, discouragement can destroy all vision for your future. Listen to this. Unfortunately, they don't have these statistics in Australia, but I found this. In the United States, 1,500 pastors are quitting every month. They're quitting ministry every month and burning out and having all kinds of issues because they are so discouraged at what they've seen. Why? They saw something. They had a vision. God called them. And they didn't get what they saw. 1,500 pastors per month. Did you know that if you are a pastor, that this is one of the highest burnout jobs that you can possibly do. In fact, listen to this, 33% of pastors will quit in the first five years of their ministry. And they felt called and they were spiritual 33% in the first five years. I only like to mention it because today marks five years that I took over Activate Church. And I will tell you right now, I have more vision. I'm just getting warmed up. 
I'm just finding my stride. I'm just getting ready. I couldn't be further from having no vision. But it didn't always feel like that in the last five years. And the truth is, for me, there were some incredibly challenging times. What about you? What about you? What are the things that you faced that have discouraged you to the point where you have no vision for what God wants to do in your life? Have you ever felt in the midst of pursuing what God had for you that he felt distant? Because I have. Have you found that in the midst of pursuing God, it felt like there was no future, like no hope, like this thing is not going to work, your vision is dead? You've got to let God speak to you again. You've got to let God speak to you again. And when Israel was stuck in this situation, God began to speak to them. And he spoke to them through two prophets, one named Haggai and the other Zechariah. And these two prophets began to speak into Israel's future. And when I say prophet, I mean somebody that speaks on God's behalf and they began to speak. So I want to read to you what they said to that nation to begin to revive them. And before I do that, I want to asterisk something. The, the scripture that we're going to read today, it's, it's actually a dream. It's a daydream, but it's a dream. So it seems kind of interesting and it doesn't all seem to make sense but i'm going to explain it as i go have you ever had a dream where you know like you opened your closet and there was a pool in there and you never questioned it you thought oh that's now the pool room you know like it it doesn't all seem to make sense it's just this the kind of things that happen in a dream well that kind of thing happens in the scripture that i'm going to read but i'm going to explain it as i go So if you have a Bible and you were like Rob Allen and you brought paper, please turn in your pages to Zechariah chapter 4 and in verse 1. It says, And the angel who talked with me, this is Zechariah, came again and woke me, which is interesting because he woke him, but he was in a dream at the same time, like a man who was awakened out of his sleep. And he said to me, What do you see? Now, the angel wasn't blind. So he wasn't asking Zechariah for help to guide him. Because sometimes I think God just wants to make sure that you can see what he sees. Do you see what he sees? Zechariah says, I see, and behold, a lampstand, all of gold. The lampstand represents God's community. It's his people. It's Israel. With the bowl on top of it and seven lamps on it with seven lips on each of the lamps that are on top of it. And there are two olive trees by it, one on the right of the bowl and the other on its left. Now, we have a lamp stand that's made out of gold that represents God's people. And on the right and the left, you have two olive trees. The two olive trees represent two people. Here's what I'm interested in. I'm interested in what olive trees produce. They produce olive oil. And oil was used to anoint people. The picture is two people that will bring such an anointing that they will pour out into the community 
so that the lamp of Israel never goes out. Are you with me? Have you tracked this so far? Okay. And I said to the angel who talked with me, what are these, my Lord? If you don't understand it, don't worry. Zechariah was in it. He didn't get it. Then the angel who talked with me answered and said to me, do you not know what these are? I said, no, my Lord. Then he said, this is the word of the Lord. Well, this is so powerful what's about to happen next because you've got to understand something about the word of the Lord. It's not just words. His word currently upholds the universe. His word allows you to draw another breath. The word of God is all you need to break through into your situation and your circumstances. You see, when you speak... Nothing necessarily happens, but every time God speaks, something does. For example, let there be light. And there was. Every time God speaks, something shifts and something happens. And he says, this is the word of God that's about to change your situation. And he speaks to Zerubbabel and he says, not by might, nor by power, But by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts, who are you, O great mountain? Mountains represent impossible and immovable problems. Who are you, O great, impossible and immovable mountain of a problem that refuses to allow God's temple to continue to be built before Zerubbabel? You shall become a plain. You're going to get steamrolled, big problem. And he shall bring forwards the top stone, which is the last stone, which is the finishing stone. He shall bring forwards the completion of the top stone amidst the shouts of grace, grace to it, because when you have an impossible problem, you need grace to be all around you so that you can begin to walk in everything that he said you can. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, the hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this house and his hands shall complete it. Oh, that's good because now we've got a time frame. So now we go that it's going to happen in his lifetime. And then after facing 17 years of discouragement where you thought this was never going to happen, after 17 years, you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. For whoever has despised the day of small things shall rejoice and shall see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. The plumb line would be a cord that was hung to make sure the structure was in alignment. In other words, you're going to see this thing that you thought that was impossible, that you thought could not shift, that was never going to move. You're going to see it happen, Zerubbabel. And I feel like today... I do have a word for people sitting in this room today. Please don't underestimate this. Because if you hear this right, you may get something out of it. God gave this word to me. It was his word to Zerubbabel. I feel like it's his word to you today. I have a word for people that may be in here today. And you may have faced a season of incredible discouragement. You have been either frustrated or waiting. You feel like maybe there's no hope. Or how about this? 
You take stock of your life and you see more than what's currently built, but you're finding it a challenge to move forwards and start to possess the things that God has for you. Don't stop till God speaks. Don't stop till God speaks because in his mouth is all the provision that you need. Everyone faces mountains. There's always going to be another mountain. I'm always going to want to make it move. It's the climb. There is a song written about it. Miley Cyrus has mountains. If Miley Cyrus has got some mountains, I think you might too. There's always going to be a mountain. There's always going to be something that you need to face. And if you say, not me, you must be under three. (laughs) I don't get that. How can you not have a mountain? There's always going to be some kind of obstacle that comes. And I don't know what it is for you. Sometimes some things feel impossible to move. Maybe for you, your biggest challenge right now is that you're single and you're sick of it and you don't want to be. You've been praying to God about it. I'm tired of this. You've been praying, God, I, I, I don't want this to be my entire future. Maybe for you, you've got some kind of sickness that's come upon your body. Maybe there's a frenemy or an enemy or there's financial trouble in your life right now. But somewhere you made a start. You started a business and now you're confused because as you start to stretch out your life and the promises The process looks like failure to you. But here's what I've learned about process. Your progress isn't linear. It doesn't just keep going up and up. Sometimes it's up and then it's down and then it's up again. And then you just circle back around and you thought that you're at the top and you found, nope. There's another hill to climb. There's something else I need to do. You know, that's exactly what happened to the people of Israel, isn't it? Didn't they cross over from the Red Sea the first time? And when they crossed over, they just circled for 40 years. They had to wait. And then God comes and he speaks to Moses. And I find it interesting that God says to Moses, you're going to cross the river Jordan and you're going to take territories, and you're going to take new lands, and this is my word to you, and this will be the fulfillment of my promise. So what happened? Well, they did it, and they crossed the River Jordan, and they got onto the other side. But how many of us understand that they didn't get all the territory in one moment? It didn't happen on that day. They crossed over on that day. But they didn't get everything right then. I think God had to grow them, had to teach them. You know, if God had have just given them everything on that one day, they might not have known what to do with it. And so what happened? It was time. It was season. We call time and multiplied by seasons, we call it process. It was a process. To possession. Are you with me? You get this today? So here's Israel. 
And after 17 years, all they've got is the foundations. He says, don't despise small beginnings because sometimes when you've made a start and things didn't work out the way that you planned, you can look back at the effort that you put in and think to yourself, I've got, what, nothing to show for it. I've been working at this thing. I've sowed my time and my energy. I have prayed. I have sought God. And all I've got is this small beginning. This is not how I thought this would go. This is not where I wanted it to be. 17 years later, they looked at what had great momentum in the beginning and they began to reframe their earlier progress as failure. And when you are made to wait for an extended period of time, it's funny how you can look back on the success of your past and start to reframe it as failure. And what happens when you do that? Or you end up discouraged. And don't underestimate the power that discouragement will play in your future. Now, I remember when I took over Activate Church, And in the beginning, there was vision, there was excitement. I was ready to go. And the next six months, honestly, felt like hell. And it was tough. And I remember that feeling going from a large auditorium to a small space that smelt like bleach, that didn't have air conditioning, that was just what it was if you were there. And I despised that. To be honest, I hated that season. What I discovered is that when we went back to small beginnings, it was probably the best thing because what it gave us was an opportunity to recreate some amazing culture that I think we've carried into our future. Sometimes the best thing that you need is a challenge in your past so you can start to step into your future. You got to be careful about how you're framing it at the time. Hey, stop hating on what the vision is. God has for you. Stop hating on the vision God has for your life because it doesn't look like what you wanted. It's in process. It's in process. It's not there. It's a small beginning, but it's in process. Because see, discouragement might be in your past, but it'll always affect your future. And it's okay to know where you are. It's okay to know that. It's okay to realize I'm not where I want to be, but it's not okay to let that tell you how far you can go. And the reason why is because your progress is in process. Are you with me? Your progress is in process. Just encourage the person next to you and say, your progress is in process. Your progress is in process. It's happening, maybe not in the time that you wanted. I remember years ago, um, I was with a friend of mine, and we were jumping 
off some rocks into the ocean. And I was there with my friend and I was jumping off and climbing back up and doing it again. And I, I said to my friend, hey, are you going to do this or what? And he was on the edge, knees bent, ready to go. And he was standing there. I said, are you going to do this thing? He said, yeah. I said, what are you doing? He said, I'm getting ready. I'm getting ready. I said, all right. So I jumped off and come back up. I said, are you going to do this thing? He's like, I am. What are you doing? Oh, I'm getting ready. I'm getting ready, right? You know what I've learned? Ready looks like nothing. Ready looks like bended knees, maybe looking in the right direction. I can't actually see anything happening. And even on the inside, he was getting ready. On the outside, nothing's happening. It's kind of like when your wife says, I'll be ready in five minutes. But she's in the bathroom and you're on the outside. And on the outside, you see nothing. But on the inside, there's lipstick going on. There's foundation going on. There's eyeliner going on. There's all this stuff happening. Hair, hairspray. Oh, it's all happening on the inside. But on the outside, you don't see anything. Because getting ready sometimes doesn't really look like anything. And maybe this year, you're not where you want to be. But I'll tell you this. If you're following the word of God, or he's getting ready, because if he said it, oh, it's going to happen. Maybe what you need to do is just get ready yourself for what God is about to do. Maybe what you need to do is stop predicting what's about to happen next. Because did you know that after the passage of scripture that I read today, after these prophets spoke and they rebuilt the temple, just after this, there was a period of time of 400 years. And theologians will refer to this as the silent years. It was the years when God didn't speak. There was no move of his spirit. It kind of ends at the, around about this moment. And then there's nothing for 400 years. And for 400 years, God looked silent. He looked like he wasn't engaged. He looked like he wasn't involved. But after 400 years, he was getting ready to do the greatest move that humanity has ever seen. And he broke 400 years of silence by sending Jesus Christ to come from heaven to earth. But the thing about Israel is they didn't see it. Why? Because all they expected was what they had seen. And they missed the greatest move that God ever made. Why? They were predicting their future. They were just in the pattern. They weren't ready for what God was going to do next. They were discouraged. They expected God to be silent when he started to speak to them. Don't expect what you already experienced. Because if you do, you might just miss what God wants to do next. And so here's what you got to do. Just keep doing what God told you to do. Because you'll never see his power if you don't obey his word. And so Israel faced discouragement for 17 years. An impossible mountain. We're never going to build this. This thing is never going to happen. They stalled for 17 years, but then God speaks his word to their circumstance. 
And what in total took 19 years was completed in four. Why? Because God decided to speak. And you know what he said to them? He said, hey, Israel, it won't be by your might and it won't be by your power. But when this thing happens, it's going to happen because it was by my spirit. And here's what I felt like God was going to say to our church. You know what? You've been chasing down some things. Even to us as a church, we're chasing down some things and working at it. But the future that we are stepping into, it's not going to be because of our might. Sometimes you give everything you've got to something, but that's your might. You've exhausted every option. I might just call that power. And things don't happen spiritually because of your might and because of your power. But they happen when there's a fresh move of the Spirit of God on His people. And when He moves, everything begins to shift. When He moves, everything is different. And you know what I'm praying for, guys? I'm praying for revival. That's what I want to see. I want to see an outpouring of God's Spirit that sees things shift and move and people, hundreds and thousands of people come to know who God is in their Savior and as their Savior. And this is what we're going to do. We're going to fast. Oh, we, church, get ready for this because you're going to fast more next year than you have in a long time. We're going to fast and we're going to seek God's face. And when we do everything that happens, people will not say, wow, they're so clever or talented. They'll say, God is in that place. So it's a rubber load he puts the capstone on, the final pieces in place amidst shouts of grace. Grace to it. I don't know about you, but I need the grace of God in my life. I need it to walk in everything that I feel he has for me. You need it for everything he has for you. Why don't you stand to your feet? I want to pray for everybody in this room today. Trust you enjoyed this week's message. For any more information about Activate Church, check out our website www.activatechurch.com or download our app online and have a great week.